Hi everyone, Josh and Ryan here. Welcome back to the Supercent Podcast, the personal development podcast hosted by the youngsters for once. Research shows if you put a hundred random people in a room, somewhere amongst them, there will be just two truly incredible, inspirational people who are living their lives to the fullest. In this podcast, we bring those exact people to you, week in and week out. Join us on our journey as we learn the secrets, routines and dreams of the Two Percenters. Okay, so welcome back to the Two Percent Podcast. Today we are joined by Jack Jacobs. Jack, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Josh and Ryan. So, firstly, just to get started, we usually ask our guests to sort of give a brief bit of background on themselves, like why we've invited you today and sort of the main things we'll probably be drawing out and talking about in the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, don't know why you guys invited me on. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously I'm I'm very involved and and love personal development and mental health specifically, um, which I I guess it's funny actually saying that personal development and mental health. Where's the line between them? Maybe something to discuss. Yeah. But um, yeah, so obviously I'm heavily involved with mental health. I'm a coach. I'm a mental fitness coach. So I coach people of all ages and backgrounds to unleash their full potential and to be the best versions of themselves. I also do a lot of mental health campaigning and um, I call myself a champion for mental health. So that means me doing stuff with the press, um, stuff with charities, stuff with organizations, which could involve events, speaking, Q and A's, workshops, everything around mental health and getting the best out of people. Sweet. Yeah, and it's interesting what you said about the line between personal development and mental health because when I said to you, like, oh, how long have you done on the way up here? I said, how long, Jack, have you been doing your coaching? Mm. And he was like, uh, for other people, like, I only really started full time this year, mm. but for myself, forever, basically. Yeah, for sure. Like, for me, coaching's been a massive part of my recovery. So, I, the six years I was in recovery, it was pretty much me untangling and, and asking myself all of those powerful questions that you do as a coach. And I guess really listening to yourself yeah. um, to become self aware. So, so when, when did that journey start really for you, that personal development journey where you felt you needed to sort of coach yourself and ask the right questions? I think that really started at 16, but I would say my personal development journey started when I was 13. So the reason why I say that is because I don't think I was fully aware of what I was doing and why I was doing my actions. And you know, at 13, I, I just moved house. Um, after my parents just uh, split up in year seven. So that was from year seven to year nine, I was in the same house. And that was quite a difficult period because I just felt like I couldn't kind of move forward. And then when I eventually did get to move house after kind of being bullied throughout my entire primary and secondary school um, for being called Fat, my name, you know, my name was Fat Jack, um, <laughs> um, which I don't mind so much now, but, but back <laughs> the then, time, it, yeah. you know, obviously bothered me and yeah, I just, I took action and, and obviously at the time I thought it was a really positive thing to do. I thought I'm losing weight. I want to feel more comfortable. I want to feel healthier. I want to, you know, all of these different things, but I think really masking it all was, um, was me feeling just absolutely insecure about who I was, my body and trying to take control of a situation which I had absolutely zero control over which was my parents splitting up and people calling me names and all of those things. So I lost a lot of weight in a very short space of time. Um, and it's interesting because initially my my entire kind of life spiked. So I actually got more accepted by people. Right, um, okay. Even though I was still getting called fat 
so it was interesting I actually lost weight but my name still stuck with me right so I was actually still being called fat but what do you mean by your life spikes right like in a positive way at one point? yeah I mean I started to go out more with uh, friends uh, meet new people um, I guess that age girls start coming into your life I guess I got noticed <laughs> yeah and that was very different to you know when I when I was a lot bigger and had a very low self-esteem and confidence and um, things started improving because as a result of me losing weight I was I had focus I had purpose I had a mission so that's such an important thing in life is is purpose and I've realized that more and more along my journey is that having a focus and having a purpose is so important to wake up to so my purpose was to lose weight my purpose was to essentially beat myself every single time um, but what I didn't realize is that I attached too much to the numbers and I also destroyed my relationship with food exercise and my body and um, over the over the next two years from 13 to 15 I essentially destroyed those relationships and broke down and that breakdown then led to me seeking help and going to my GP and then after my GP well that was that was an interesting thing in itself um, because when I did reach out to my GP the first thing he did was weigh me take my BMI and be like you're fine oh really um, and then he also offered to take me down to the local fish and chip shop to see if I would eat some fish and chips um, which he, I guess he thought was a good test of whether or not I'm, uh, I'm, tru I'm a true um, anorexic um, so yeah that, that was that was kind of the, the approach that they had or he had anyway which I've also heard from many other people that m a lot of uh, doctors do have but yeah that was where I was kind of left at and I kind of had to beg him to, to to allow me to seek the attention that I needed that's that's very interesting because when I imagine anorexia I thought I would have thought it was the other way around so the person doing the diagnosis is the one that recognized it <laughs> and the individual perhaps yeah, doesn't realize exactly, that they've yeah. got the problem whereas well, you're saying it was sort of flipped right? yeah so a very important point of my journey which I guess is slightly different to journeys that I've heard myself and people that I've spoken to have, who have experienced a mental illness or um, or anorexia specifically is that I took myself to the GP and I can only give my mum credit for that and I don't know how she dealt with that mentally I, I don't think parents get enough there credit for for how they deal with these situations because it must be incredibly tough to watch your son or daughter um, go through something like this but feel helpless but my mum knew that she couldn't do anything she, she knew that she couldn't take me to the doctor yeah. she knew that I would shut down if she did or if she tried so for her I think it was a waiting game and I think she was just really really hopeful that one day I was gonna kind of wake up and have a breakdown and then ask for help but it's also important to know that once you have that breakdown that there's a honeymoon period you have to break down because you, you, your body is literally screaming at you I mean I couldn't I was going to bed at like 6 p.m. I couldn't walk to school I would walk to school and then <laughs> ask my parents to pick me up my mom and my dad. no energy no energy to walk back home I, I literally could not function in the day I was having panic attacks, heart palpitations. 
I was pretty much shivering, like always putting the house, the, the heating on. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's not cold, <laughs> you know. Uh, the heating bill went through the roof like, <laughs> um, those two years. Um, so yeah, so there was my body could just not take it anymore, and it just led to me completely having a mental breakdown. Um, but then, what I mean by the honeymoon period is that obviously, when you have that breakdown, you know, in that situation, you're so desperate for help. But those thoughts of, I want to be ill and I want to be in this situation, and that cloud that still is in your brain does not just disappear because you want help. Right. Okay. So it's not like, oh, you want help? Great. Cool. It's You're all good. It's yeah. all good. You know. So yeah, it's, you it's actually like how you. do you break down that cloud and how do you actually take steps forward? Because anorexia is not about necessarily the the food and the exercise or the controls. The weight is the byproduct, hmm. but the cloud inside your head, that's what you need to break down. Because without breaking down that, nothing else, nothing else will change. Because that's the kind of cause almost. Is that? That's the core. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That's. If if I if I could go back to thirteen and be like Jack, what are you like? You know, as a coach, and be like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what's driving you to lose weight? I I would have got to the fact that I wanted to feel comfortable. I wanted validation. I wanted people to accept me. I wanted to control a situation I couldn't control. All of these things that I only figured out as part of my recovery, because my recovery wasn't. See, coaching, as you, as you guys know, is is I guess more looking into your realities and into your future, your motivations, using different models. And I guess the grow coaching model is the most known, um, and I guess it's like the kind of the, the father um, of coaching who who created it. Um, his name just completely disappeared out of my head right now, but. What I also had to do was reflect and make sense of that past. And I didn't have therapy. I didn't have a counselor. Um, I was left to my kind of own devices to do that. And my mum was my sounding board. So my mum gave me that space to not be judged, to feel safe, to feel comfortable, and just to talk about these things. Yeah, I, I, always, um, I always kind of referred to, you know when you're stuck with a mask, question and like you're you just can't do it and then you you want to go and talk to someone about it and then as you as you're on your way there going to talk to them you're like oh oh yeah yeah got it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then you go back to your place it's kind of all all you really needed to do was have a chat just take it Mm. take a step back remove yourself from the situation Mm. get some space have a little chat and then move move forward again doesn't always work but yeah obviously it's not as simple as that with all of these things but what you said about like the cloud being the source of the problem and that's what you need to tackle mm. and I, I listened to your so Jack runs a podcast as well called the Random Mental Podcast which is a new podcast around mental health um, listen to the first episode of that and in mm. that episode you say you felt that the people that were trying to provide you to support they weren't really tackling that cloud they were sort of tackling those physical elements Yeah. so how did you sort of take it upon yourself to say these medical professionals that I'm meant to respect and these are the ones I'm meant to trust mm. and say they don't know what they're talking about I know what's right for me that must have been a, a hard thing to do right yeah what made it easier is when a nutritionist asks you to go to Starbucks twice a day to eat muffins <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know things are, are definitely going down a dark dark road yeah. <laughs> um, no honestly but that actually happened and I, I never forget I, n- I never forget the look I gave to my mum in the corner. She was just sitting there. 
and I just I didn't know whether to cry or whether to laugh. What as soon as she said yeah, to go eat muffins? I, I just couldn't believe it. I just honestly couldn't understand where I was. I mean, I when I when I entered that hospital, don't get me wrong, I needed that that shock. They gave me the shock. I would say that's definitely one thing that I would massively respect is that he gave me a massive shock. And that was the day that I went in. Um, I went in and then I refused. I had a consultation. I refused to drink this Ensure, which is a nutritional replacement. I refused to get weighed. Um, I refused to get my heart checked and all of those things. I just didn't want anything. See, this this is what I'm trying to say. You know, two months. This is this was uh, January, and I had the breakdown in November. Okay. So between that space there's a lot of things that can happen number one my doc my gp actually motivated me to lose more weight because what he essentially said was that i'm not low enough of a weight to be to be anorexic and to actually seek to sorry to be to have the help that i need um so that's number one because i i never forget after that the energy that i felt after that doctor's appointment oh i was i went straight to the gym I I know I I know exactly what workout I did. I had I was cycled. I remember I was wow. cycling, and I remember what song I listened to as well. After that, um, but yeah, when I when I got to the hospital, I was very kind of shut down. Didn't want really any help, and it was very hard for them to get through to me. Until I think it was like two three weeks later, and then they um, this was the first time I was getting weighed and the first time I was getting my heart checked. And as I was getting my heart checked, the lady just kind of kind of gasped a little bit <laughs> and then the machine started beeping and then that's when I was like oh there's something wrong <laughs> yeah and then um, yeah she I just turned around to her and then kind of saw her face and then saw the numbers on the screen and I just literally said to her am I going to die and she didn't give me a straight answer she just said you need to go and speak to your dad because my dad was there that day because um, my mum was at work so yeah that was literally the kind of Oh my goodness! Mm, this, is, this is kind yeah. of you know, it, this is what I've been doing to my body, and in a sense, it's like it was also in a sense of achievement because I I wanted to punish myself. It's a very difficult, even for me now, to explain that mindset of wanting to punish yourself and wanting to feel that pain. It's like a it's like self harm in a sense, um, but in a very very different way. So yeah, that, that, that was the initial kick that they gave me. And that kick, you know, pretty much started my recovery. But then they took me up to the fourth floor from what my family tell me. Um, but I, I know I just went up in a lift <laughs> um, to a ward and they were feeding these teenagers and um, people my age at the, at the time with uh, tubes. And I saw them and I had this nutritional drink in my hand and I had, there was a door in front of me and it was just honestly the most surreal moment I've ever had in my entire life. And it was a grow or crumble moment. Either I was gonna go in there that day or I was gonna go home on a meal plan and start. Because if I had refused to eat that day, there was no way I was leaving that hospital, for sure. Right, okay. Um, for sure. So yeah, so that was the that was the kick that they gave me. Uh, uh, the, the interesting thing about it for me as well is that at one stage because it starts off as a very positive thing you're mm. overweight yeah and you've 
clearly got this you said it came from sort of negative source perhaps but you had this unbelievable ambition and drive to go to the gym and lose weight yeah so there must have been a sort of midway point where you achieved a healthy sort of the ideal body or lifestyle in a sense what is ideal and then and then you went past it is that fair or maybe but the one thing i never asked myself was what is ideal right okay yeah what do you expect from yourself these, these are all the things that you need to be asking yourself when you're, whether you're applying for jobs or whether you're, if you're making decisions in life, obviously not every single decision can you think that critically mm. about because otherwise it would be useless. We wouldn't make any decisions. But I think for ones that you characterize as ones that are going to make a big impact on your life, you should really ask yourselves, you know, what are you trying to achieve from that? And also what do you expect from yourself? in that situation like how do you define um, healthy for you like what's the feeling that you have what do you see what do you what changes in your life so but what I mean I guess uh, for me anyway I guess for a lot of people that is decided by like societal norms rather than your own judgment yeah for sure which is why I think if you're which is why I think you should, should to some extent throw those norms out of the window I don't believe in in normal because everyone's different um, you have to listen to yourself you have to understand what you want and what that means mm. and move forward because of that because what other people say and think doesn't really matter so for you then would it be fair to say maybe that it started as a as a societal kind of push where you're thinking about the the names and the kind of external environment around you and then you're thinking kind of oh, I'm I need to lose weight but then there's no kind of goal there and so because because of that lack of definition there's no kind of end point and so you keep going lower and so I'm just trying to picture yeah how that kind of journey progress yeah so so that's one element and then the other element is obviously my parents splitting up which is an internal course, thing that I've yeah. created in my head um, and, that, and that control as you said exactly yeah yeah um, but the goal was to feel comfortable. Mm. But what I never asked myself is, how do you know when you feel what comfortable? What is comfortable? <laughs> when do you get it? Yeah. How do you yeah. know when you feel comfortable? And I didn't have a definition or an expectation of what comfortable was. Mm. So, so how would you know when you felt it? I was blind yeah. completely. Yeah, sure. Until you're t way too far down the line. And then I, you know, by the time I realised, hence the breakdown, which is why I think we need to be focusing on preventative um, measures for mental health illnesses um, and talking about mental health in general as just something that we should all be speaking about so that we can prevent people from going down that road mm. where it's too late in the sense of it's now become a problem and now we need to fix this problem yeah. whereas if we all took care of our minds on a more frequent basis then it wouldn't obviously there's there's exceptions to this but for the most part I think we wouldn't we would find that the amount of mental health illness the amount of mental health problems would decrease yeah for sure I completely agree so to focus a bit on your recovery so you've got what I can see as a kind of paradigm shift moment where you're stood on that ward with that drink in your hand you're seeing mm. people the same age with tubes and it's kind of almost an overwhelming image mm. and you're thinking like it's, this is 
crumble or, or whatever you just said, like yeah, crumble or die. Crumble. Grow or crumble, exactly. <laughs> like. Yeah. So how does that then progress from that moment to kind of the partial recovery and then the next step and then the next step to kind of, yeah. you know, it's a long journey. Yeah, so there's another element within this, which was the fact that I got told that essentially I couldn't do GCSEs. Um, and obviously I'm going to prove them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these these two these two things were kind of the main they were they're, they're what made me um, if I'm honest with you I really wouldn't want my journey to be any different what do you think mm. sorry so there's the the losing the mission to lose weight the mm-hmm. mission to feel comfortable and then the being told couldn't do GCSEs mm-hmm. and essentially being downgraded in terms of my academic ability and I just wanted to completely prove them wrong. Oh, sorry. So this being told you can do your GCSEs, this isn't wasn't related to the anorexia. This is no, purely this academic. Is, yeah, this is pure, right, okay. purely academic. Oh, okay. I was thinking the same. Yeah. Way, so actually. this is yeah. this is happening all at the same time. But bearing in mind, my school don't know what I'm going through. So mm. this is all in the space of year nine. You know, you know how it works. Like in the UK, year eight, you kind of start trying to think and then year nine you actually choose and then you do them in year 11 Mm -hmm. well now year 11 you do all of your GCSEs now in year 11 Um, which I thankfully know all about GCSEs because my sister's doing them (laughs) 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 but yeah so so when I'm those those were two massive massive factors so I think I'm really happy that I got told I couldn't do that because that brought out a whole I'm going to prove you wrong side Mm. which I've in fact not so happy that I've I have that now and I've had to actually work on that recently yeah you mentioned you mentioned that in the podcast didn't you that you're sort of (coughs) driven by proving people wrong yeah and obviously I've realised that that's not the best thing to be driven by because again it's external it's not intrinsic to us to me Um, and I like to keep as much as my motivation intrinsic because you know when no one's watching I'm still motivated when no one's commenting or seeing it or no one gives an opinion I'm motivated because I'm doing it for me and that's that's kind of where I try and try and make that balance but yeah so going back to to kind of the recovery um, the day everything kind of so from from that day when Mm. I was in in hospital I spent six to seven months on a meal plan and that was from the February 2012 to August the 28th Sorry, 28th of August, 2012. Because I remember I was starting my new college on the 29th. And I went to a, a psychologist session, my first psychologist session, because I was on a waiting list for about six months. And this whole meal plan... Do you know what? Being in hospital made me feel more controlled than when I was actually on my own. Because all they would focus on was food, excess, sorry, food, my weight, my heart. And the family therapy was the only kind of time that I got to speak about anything that was on my mind. But it was all around family and I didn't need any kind of family therapy because family was okay and I was very, very open. See, this is another thing which I guess is different maybe to other people is I was like, if I didn't eat something or didn't eat a meal, I'd go home and tell my mum. Like it just wasn't something that I was hiding. I wasn't Mm. hiding anything from anyone. Um, so it got to the point where I actually started losing weight when I, when I when I started eating and the nurse you know they didn't believe that I was eating and I had to take pictures of my food 
and all of these types of things. So it just built this massive mistrust between the people that are actually supposed to be helping me. But I didn't, I started to feel like, are these guys really on my side or are they fighting against me? Are they really fighting for me? So when I had my first psychologist session, um, I guess I realized, <laughs> and this lady in the corner who was observing us just kind of butted in and said, you know, if you don't you know, listen to us, then you won't essentially recover. And um, yeah, I just walked out and just left. And that was at 16. So I left, I walked out, walked past my mum, my sister. I remember shouting in the hallway, something like, I'm never coming back to this place again. <laughs> um, and then yeah, went straight to WH Smith. And I remember I bought a e-natural bar, which had chocolate on it. And that was a chocolate bar for me, you know. Then yeah. that was like a full-blown mm. chocolate yeah. bar. <laughs> um, I, I even remember what colour it was. It was the um, it was the burgundy eat natural bar, uh, and I remember I remember seeing the chocolate bars, but then being like, yeah, I'm I'm not that angry. Not right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to prove them wrong that much. Um, so yeah, I bought it and ate it and just literally got in the car and said one nil, let's go, and that was to my mum, and that was it. That was the start of my journey, and yeah. Nice, man. Congratulations. Yeah, that's really good to see how you're doing now. And just before we move on, I think it's really interesting already that what your journey and your story is telling me partly is actually how emotion and memory are so connected. Mm. The way you're describing, you know, you remember the colours of things and you remember the dates of things. Like, I have that for so few things. Yeah. Actually, if I actually wrap my brains and think about what can I remember in that detail mm. and so what that says is that you're so even then you're actually so connected to what you were going through mm. because even now you were like I remember what I did who I was with what I said and that's really you know I was gonna say impressive but that's not quite the word <laughs> like I don't know it's, it's very interesting yeah and I, yeah I never really thought of it like that before there's things that I don't remember though but obviously I, I can't tell you because I don't remember them but yeah. there's, there's gaps in the journey like I, I, um, I, sp- I there's actually something I, I'm doing this month um, and kind of one of my clients set, set this for me well I kind of set it for myself but I'm, she's, she's keeping me accountable <laughs> um, but I actually wrote 30,000 words mm. three months after I left the hospital and I haven't read it so wow there's, uh, I'm sure there's a lot more to find out, yeah, yeah. From, even, even for myself. Yeah. And wow. I'm, I'm more than happy to send it to you guys. And if anyone wants it, who's listening to this, I'm ha- more than happy to send it to you guys. Yeah, um, I don't know, what, really I don't know what's yeah. in it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you can hear 16 year old me kind of talk. And from what wow. I've heard, my clients reading it, it's there's a lot of what who I am now. So you pass, yeah. you just passed it on to them and said, I, I don't know what's in there. Yeah, so I actually published it as soon as I wrote it. So I wrote it within three months. I was literally on the bus. Um, I wrote it on my notes, Apple Notes, and, and your phone, just on your phone. Literally every single day on the bus, mm. there and back, just wrote this. Just literally poured my brain out into yeah. my notes. And, and what period is this? Sorry, when this you was just... from? So, so I left the hospital. I, I started um, Woodhouse College, which was my A level college, on the 29th of August. I, I, I remember I was literally. This is the day after I left hospital, and I was on my own. I didn't know any. Well, I knew people, but. I was just kind of in my form I remember sitting on the bench on my own just thinking wow this is really really where it starts you know like (laughs) this is really it because I'm really I'm kind of on my own now Um, in the sense of in terms of all of this stuff going on Mm. 
it was just crazy. It was very overwhelming. Um, I remember the first person I spoke to as well, like at at that place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was th- it was three months after. So three four months after. So it was December, and then from December to March twenty thirteen. So December twenty twelve to March twenty thirteen is when I wrote this. Um, and then I literally just wrote at the top of it, put it in the word document. Right at the top of it was like. There's probably loads of mistakes. I'm very, very sorry. And then just publish it to my college. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, my college published it on their website and people people read it and people came up to me afterwards and they were like, yeah, I'm going through depression. Yeah. I'm wow. going through this, I'm going through that. And that was like when it clicked. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I've got to share this. Yeah. I've got to but do But you've this. still not read that? No. I've I've read like the introduction mm. and then I, I, st- I, did, I did take a cheeky scroll. Um, because I knew where the juicy bits would, would be yeah, yeah. like three quarters away I was <laughs> yeah. like yeah that's where it would be yeah. and I, I remember I actually done this last week I read a line and it said um, anorexia is an illness that will always stay with you throughout your whole life and I loved it because I, I proved myself wrong and I love when I do that um, I ate my own words which is great so at that wow okay so at that time you thought you would have this forever yeah yeah wow. and if you go back to some of my um I think in my interviews, there there might be a something me saying that um, in terms of, and I did actually hold that view. I remember holding that view, but I definitely do not hold that view now. Nice. But yeah, it was a, uh, it's it's interesting. No, that's yeah, great. It's really powerful. Man. Yeah. I'd definitely be interested to read that as, mm. as well as yeah, send it over. Like I'll send it yeah, to you guys. Great, but um, <laughs> we're now going to move on to. Um, Word association, okay. which I know you're familiar <coughs> with from listening to us. I certainly am. Um, so, yeah, that was a really good section. Thanks for sharing and being so open and honest about about your journey. Um, it, was, it was powerful to hear. Um, and then I think in the second half, we'll focus more on sort of uh, the journey you're on now, what you're doing with yourself, and, and more sort of, you know, your ambitions and stuff. So yeah, sounds cool. good. But for now, let's go on to the 10 words. So, you ready? I'm ready. Uh, conversations people drama anorexia (laughs) crazy me happiness now soul my life sugar oh uh, happy YouTube information art creativity Principle. Values. Hope. Life. Nice one. So, um, right. That's tough. Yeah? Yeah, it's actually It's harder than you think, that. isn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> everyone that we've spoken to, and when we've done it ourselves, it's always been like, I don't know, what's the worry about it? It's like, it's really easy. But then when you are under that spotlight, it's like, oh, what do I say? What? Uh, yeah. yeah. We, we've never actually <laughs> asked this to a guest before. We usually just go straight, like, pick up on someone's that we're interested in. But I'm going to ask you, mm. what word <clears> there sort of stimulated your brain the most and got you thinking out of those? Sugar, funny enough. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess it's uh, something that I've had an up and down relationship mm. with. Because it's something that I guess I consider to be bad, Evil, quote unquote yeah. bad. Um, <clears throat> but something that I've had to rebuild entire, like my, my food relationship. So it's funny how when you said that, even still now, that would be the, the still a trigger. Like, as in, it makes me think, but not in the same way as I did before. Right, okay. It's just interesting how it's still... Still in your mind, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So why why did you sort of resort to uh, happy when you when you had to think about it? Because I don't eat sugar, I feel happy. Nice. Like I thought alive. Um, Can that dopamine hit? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. sugar's really, really important. Um, as much as bad press it gets, it's it's a it's yeah. a vital thing mm. for our body to function and to 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 do well in uh, mentally and physically. So um, yeah, just comes down to balance at the end of the day. Balance, yeah. You I can't yeah. can't not have sugar. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a big I'm a big believer in balance. I said, the guy on your podcast said something about like rhythm in opposed to balance, right? But, um, yeah, yeah. He said um, he said rhythm, didn't he? He yeah, said a flow or something like I that. Think, yeah, I think he said he believes in rhythm. Yeah, rhythm or not flow balance, in opposed yeah. to balance. But yeah, I I'm a big fan of balance personally. I think it does make sense. But. Yeah, I I like I like both both yeah. views. I think. For me, flow is something different than balance, um, and rhythm is something different to balance. But mm. yeah, so is this view on flow that you know your relationship with your food or whatever is kind of fluctuating all the time? Is is that kind of where that's coming from? I think what he meant by rhythm and flow was the fact that when you're when you feel in rhythm, it's like everything is just moving mm. kind of forward effortlessly. Yeah, it's just you know. Yeah. Where but then when you feel you know when you feel stuck. And then you get overwhelmed, and then you get stuck in your head. Yeah. And then it can last like either you can last an hour or you can last yeah, a week. Yeah. Like you can be stuck in a rut for or months yeah. even. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's what you meant. Okay. Have uh, you got any particular words you want to pick up on, Ryan? Um, I'm gonna pick up on one that I put in, which is crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, to which you said me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah. not as in me as in you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um and I kind of, I kind of, I'm going to segue into a different point because the reason I wanted to hear what you're going to say was because of the connotation of crazy mm. in terms of mental health, mm. um, in terms of the word crazy and the word mad, meaning someone insane or someone with a, um, you know, when I think of the word crazy, I kind of think of somebody in a, in an institution, kind of hundred years ago or whatever. Okay. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And so it's interesting that you you said you. Yeah, well, no, I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't have any. <laughs> like, I've got some like notion about that. Like, you're just like no, yeah, I get yeah, you. Me, right? I <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I guess now thinking of it, I guess people could think like that. But for me, crazy is. Um, I said me because I feel like this year, compared to other years, is is I'm I'm really being myself. I feel like yeah. there's there's no mask, and um, yeah. I'm a bit crazy. Just really out there, crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm quirky. I'm fun. I'm happy. I can also be very, like, just me myself, mm. introverted. Just want space, be alone, crack on with work. But then on the other side, I'm. I'm a very different person. I feel like I'm unleashing a bit more of my craziness mm. this year. That's what yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's. I think that's important that you let that, you let your kind of yourself free. Yeah, for sure. No, I like that, and I think the reason you picked up on on me like that is because crazy sort of it can be seen in kind of a fun way, isn't it? Where so mm. I yeah. think context there is really important. Yeah. But yeah. what what Ryan's getting at is, I would like to hear your opinion on because something you spoke about in the past is like the importance of language <coughs> when yeah. talking around mental health, and like is there right words to use? Um, what's your view on that? <sighs> yeah, um, this is a tough one. This is really tough because everyone is going to have a different opinion and also everyone is also going to be triggered differently because of their experiences and because of their environment and also because of where they are at when they hear it in that moment. Mm. 
So there's so many variables mm. that it's it's impossible to please everyone. But what I really, really want to set the record straight is that there's a very big difference between mental health and mental health illness. Because the conversation right now is getting blurred. And people are like, oh, I don't have mental health. I say, like, well, yeah, <laughs> you do. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's, in, it's just crazy. Like, for, 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 for that to be around, that's where I'm trying to attack, is that kind of line between there's mental health, which for me, everyone is qualified to talk about. If you have a mind, you can talk about mental health. You, you have feelings, you have thoughts. Just like your physical health. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Like, you know, it, it, it's just, for me, it's just so important that we really make clear these differences and also make clear when we're discussing what we're talking about and I think getting too into like there's only so far you can go right I mean in terms of wording and all of these things I'm always careful of what I say because I don't want to harm anyone else but I will tell my story how it is simple mm. and if you don't like my story or the way I say it you don't have to listen yeah, you, sure. you you can you can just unfollow me or delete me. I mean, you have a choice yeah. who you listen to and who you don't listen to. But yeah. yeah, just 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 one point like that's the most important point for me, and that's what I'm trying to 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 tackle is that difference between mental health and mental health illness. Uh, it's it's an important point, and I guess also why it's so relevant is because your sort of career as a mental fitness coach that's not just for people that are suffering from mental illness and like you say we should be tackling it in a preventative mess like um preventative what's the word Manage measure way. Yeah. yeah so um <laughs> yeah. yeah so that that's important because that people might think oh i don't need a sort of mental health fitness coach i'm not gonna yeah get Ill. so this <laughs> this is why i've called it mental the men mental fitness coach but i actually got the word fitness from 87 percent mm -hmm. and 87 percent is, is a is a mental health startup mental fitness startup which I'm currently working with um, and they've created an absolutely mind-blowing and incredible app that calculates your mental fitness and this is this is their science behind this as well yeah. so it's not just some random score that you get it's it's a really really valuable score and I've been using the app now for about three weeks and it's incredible like it you guys would love it I think Accenture would love it and all companies would love it because what it does is is that it provides the employees with a, a real platform for them to basically have this like one space it's like you know the you know when you have those spaces and you know the apps for your physical fitness yeah I've got one now and you just know that yeah. everything with yeah, your physical yeah. health is like in that app that you just data. know it's yeah, in one yeah. place right yeah. it's the same that's what kind of they're doing with mental fitness um, but actually putting a score in it because if you can't if you don't measure it then how can you change it and for me, that's what's, and, and I'm calling myself a mental fitness coach and the PT for your mind because no. I'm here for when you need me. And you don't necessarily have to have a session every single week. You choose how many sessions you want. If you just want one once a month because that's what you need, then that's fine. You, you, at, the end of, at the end of the day, everyone knows their own truth. Like we all we all know deep down there might be things like covering it and masking it 
But like, if you actually do dig deeper and deeper and deeper, you will get to your own truth. You know what you need and want. And what what does that look like? Is it a single sentence? Is it a set of values? What what do you mean by that one truth that everyone has? Well, yeah, what I mean is is that if you feel like you need to speak to someone and you need more space, then you would know that. Right. Okay. So, so so for me, I'm not gonna try and say, okay, I'm gonna put you on this twelve week program, which is gonna unleash your full potential, and you're gonna find yourself in twelve weeks. I don't have control. I, there's too many variables in there. I can't promise to to unleash someone's full potential in 12 weeks mm. but what I can promise is that I am here for you for your mind and I will provide you that space for you to work through your mind whatever that is like usually at the start of a coaching session I will always ask ask my client what do they want to achieve from this session mm-hmm. now more often than not it will lead on from last session and you will content- continue working forward yeah right in terms of goal setting in terms of actions in terms of steps forward in terms of everything but there might be some times when that doesn't happen and there's something that's happened and maybe they need to really untangle something important I, I like to have that space for them to move and feel like they can you know they really can control that space and feel comfortable and safe in it I feel like you get the best out of people um, when they are in control of that space and what they want to achieve from it obviously as a coach I'm there to direct and facilitate their growth so that's my job and I make sure I do that but with their permission and making sure that they feel comfortable and safe yeah and I guess that really speaks to the role and what coaches actually do mm. in terms of you know if, if you were to say to most people what's the difference between a coach and a mentor yeah or something like that people would probably well to my mind most people become well they're probably the same thing but actually if you were to sit down with a coach I think it's exactly what you said it's about the client leading whatever space it is yeah whether that's mental fitness whether that's specifically towards goal goal setting um whatever the the the, the kind of niche is but then you know if you're talking to someone who's a kind of mentor they might go and give you advice whereas straight up if a coach gives you advice yeah, it's the wrong coach. Like, well, that's uh, a consultant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or a mentor. Mentor. Mentors give advice as well. I guess the, how I would categorize the difference is that mentors you would be more of an example of. Um, I think as a coach, I I strive to be an example. I strive to be an example as well. But I don't. When I say example, what I mean is, is that you know you would pick a mentor who is in an industry or in a position where you currently want to be mm. and they are going to mentor you to get to where you want to be yeah which is very different than being coached to where you want to be because um, I, I don't know if you've read um sir john whitmore his book okay. he he's no, basically okay. like the founder of coaching um and he wrote he he, he done a very interesting story where he, he told a story of how these um ski instructors became tennis coaches mm. For a period of time and what they realized was is that the ski ins- instructors were much much better coaches and improved the performance of the tennis players than the tennis coaches did and that's because the tennis coaches were technically experts like they knew they had a certain perception and a certain way of doing things so all they did was is gave these ski instructors some um, tennis rackets and tennis gear and they asked them to coach the tennis players and what they found was is that the ski instructors were much better at coaching and improving performance than the tennis coaches were. That's interesting. Because they didn't have any prior knowledge 
or prior biases on the right or the best right way, way to, to do, do it. it. Yeah. So what they did do is ask the tennis players is how do you feel when you're hit- hitting that ball? What would you change? Mm. All of these open-ended questions to get them to be more self-aware about what they're doing and what they're feeling when they're doing what they're doing. And just all of these really important things. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can figure out myself. Like, yeah, oh, that feels different when I hit it that way. The spin, the, the ball spins this way. Yeah. Or this happens, or this happens. So, instead of someone just saying, mate, I think you should hit it harder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thanks. <laughs> it's, like, it's that whole cliche thing, you know, when mm. you're talking to your mates and they're like, oh, mate, you should just quit. If you hate your job, just just quit. Yeah, okay. whereas a coach will actually sit down and actively listen and and not just hear your words but hear through your words and And I think part of that is is the learning process on their side like people learn more by sort of thinking it through and come into the solution themselves rather than just being told it yeah yeah. so like it's so much easier to just dismiss or or like you think you've taken it in but it's like hit your brain and then just gone out the other side basically whereas when you're sort of getting asked all these questions and getting you know thought-provoking questions that's making you act and think in the right way then yeah. you know it sort of gets ingrained within you a bit more i think i completely agree yeah, yeah. nice just to come back to the trying to set an example point i've got a question so you are very much in a space where you're being open about yourself about mm-hmm. your own mental fitness about your own journey about your own story how does that actually affect what you keep private or what you wants to keep private and I'm coming at this from my perspective of not being as far along the journey as you are not being as open as you are with everybody you know I'm quite picky about who I'm open with um and it takes time to get to that level but Mm. immediately as soon as we started talking we're open with each other because we're Mm. on that level yeah and I get a sense that you can get to that level with pretty much anyone quite quickly because of where you're at but is there still things that for you you're like yeah no I, I, that's for sure yeah I mean people don't know what I went through last year I haven't really opened up about that um, I've opened I probably I think I opened up for the first time on my podcast um, <clears throat> but last year I went through a really really difficult period um, you could call it depression you could call it being depressed um, for for a good couple of months I found it really difficult to really find my fire find my motivation um, found myself days where I didn't couldn't even look at my phone couldn't even answer an email didn't want to get out of bed uh, yeah I yeah won't. I mean there, there's there's loads of things right um, but you know no one really you know this what I share I share it because I want to inspire other people to take that first step and I want to impact people positively and it's also a way of me it's, it's a way of me building my business as well um, but everything I share is, is stuff that I've really 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 dealt with yeah and I, you know when I'm not de- so when, I, when I'm dealing yeah. with something mm. then I'm more hesitant to share it not because I'm ashamed or I'm nervous to share it it's because I can't articulate it yet properly mm. And I think it's really important that when you share something, you can really articulate what you're trying to share. So when I talk about anorexia, the reason why I can talk about it so fluently and just not care about anything, people's perceptions, is because it's happened. I've made sense of it. I understand what happened, what caused it. Yeah. And also I understand I also yeah. understand how I recovered and I also know the point of my recovery. And I know what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. 
So for me, that's there's no kind of like there's nothing that anyone could no ever ask me there. Yeah. that I don't know because I know. Yeah, but with with th- with those types of things, it's it's hard if you haven't dealt with something yeah. to really open up about it. And so, would you do you think then that maybe that's part of what we're seeing at the moment with mental health itself getting so much attention, mm. but people not necessarily opening up because they haven't themselves dealt with what they're going through. So, they don't kind of understand it. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I'm I'm trying to share more and more and document more and more and show more, you know, of the of the ups and downs um, of the journey. But I don't I don't only share the, the ups of the journey. Um, I think I'm quite good at sharing a, a variety of things, you know, trying to make sure that people understand that mental health is a balance, you know. It's yeah, not, of course. It's not like either you're ten or you're one. <laughs> it's yeah. um, it, fluctuating. It's, yeah. it's, it's always fluctuating. It's just a scale, you know. So like. One interesting thing that I've I've realized is that when I'm really 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 happy, I can also I can be just as like feel feel just as overwhelmed as if like there's loads of really really negative things happening all at once. It's the same feeling I have in my body of like it filling up mm. and it's gonna overfill. Yeah, I'm like I, I need space because I, I can't yeah, even I deal with it. With so that, it's like, like yeah. even even something like that is is the emotions the feelings. And the emotions are completely different, but the internal but things that I'm having the, in my body kind of are the exact same. The same. Yeah. So that, that's how I kind of like to think yeah. about mental health: is that you know, just because you're happy, doesn't mean you don't need to balance that. Just mm. ha- happy is just as much as part of mental health as is as is sad, depressed, things, anxious, mm. all of these things. Happy, excited. What what about the opposites? Why don't we talk about? all of those things as well mm. because they're just as important for our mind and our mental health just as much as understanding how to deal with when you're feeling anxious yeah. and when you're feeling stressed and when you're when you're having a, a bad day whatever that means to you you know we all have days that we don't feel at our, our, our best and full potential yeah I mean I, I definitely get that kind of feeling of like oh I'm in a positive moment or I've come out of a good uh, kind of talk or meeting or whatever, mm. and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a kind of high almost. I'm gonna do something positive. I'm gonna share it, right? Mm. And I definitely don't get that when it's the opposite. Mm. I definitely don't. Or I tell you what, I do. This is my thought process, right? So I will have, I don't know, a bad day, bad week, whatever. Kind of something will, kind of there'll be that feeling of like, no, it's, it's not happening right now. And then I'll be like. Yeah, but you know, remember last time you were here, like yeah. yesterday or last <laughs> week or whenever it was, you said you were going to share this with people because it's important to get that balance. Yeah, and I never do it. I mean, share with who though? As in the world, either talk to somebody yeah. or kind of social media or, or whatever. As in, just do something that that is kind of almost proving to myself that I mean what I said last time when I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna share that this time. Yeah, I mean. Hmm. So that's kind of my kind of personal barrier with with kind of the art of sharing almost. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 getting a little bit of coaching there, guys. No, no, I, I, get, I get you. I I understand what you're saying because um, I'm I find it difficult to share as well. Um, I I find it difficult to to talk um about 
what's on my mind and things that are going kind mm. of you know when things aren't going the best I find it difficult to do that which is I know it's, it's just funny isn't it it's just ironic yeah but, but um, then I think it, it definitely does speak to what you said like it's, yeah, it's what everyone has in terms yeah. of like social media though and this this side of thing I think it's up to your personal preference for me I just don't really want to share like the extremely kind of negative moments I'm in because I think the real value of those moments are when I'm able to articulate what was going on and mm. then what shifted mm. and I think like I, the, at the end of the day I'm not sh- I'm on social media more for impacting people which is all around my business and what I do my, my goal and my mission is to impact people positively would I be on social media if I didn't if I wasn't doing yeah, that that's interesting. probably not yeah. probably not so I need to think about what am I actually using. So again, coming back mm. to what am I using social media yeah. for? What is what is the outcome that I want to achieve from social media? Well, that's providing valuable content that is actually going to inspire and help people. So me crying on LinkedIn yeah, yeah. when I'm yeah. in a really, really bad situation is not really going to help anyone. Mm. Not to say that that's not for someone else to do mm. I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong I'm just saying for me and my purpose of re- the reason why I'm on these platforms that's not why I'm there so for me it's more valuable to people if I can take a step articulate. back work it out and mm. then articulate what I'm actually trying to say okay so Jack one of the things I wanted to ask you about was you mentioned this sort of your candle burning out right that's mm. something I wanted to get to the bottom of the motivation <clears throat> um, and where where that came from so you had a corporate career at kpmg for a while yeah mm-hmm. is that where the candle burn out or is that after that point after that point well both <laughs> okay yeah. let's talk about kpmg well, yeah. how did you find yourself in there um, so i actually wanted to go to kpmg since i was 15 and kpmg was a massive massive part of my recovery and i say that because it was uh it's not kpmg it, it wasn't that wasn't it but it was the focus it was the purpose to get up and to have a mission to achieve something so for me in my head when I was recovering a lot of it was um, if you don't eat you can't do exams you can't go to KPMG so that was kind of like the the line that I built in my head to remind myself of what I'm doing why I'm doing it and to, to move forward and to keep doing it obviously that only works so, you know, so much and you can only go so far with that kind of simple perspective kind of kick I, um, I guess but I spent three years working to get into that company <laughs> like so much so that I got called KPMG boy at college because I just literally <laughs> did not stop mentioning that word I was like I'm going to KPMG every single every single day I'm going to KPMG I'm going to KPMG before you KPMG. even had an interview or anything you knew yeah just... no no I was going to KPMG that was it like I would sit I would happily sit in that reception room until I get into that place yeah. Um, so yeah I mean I, I remember applying and all, all the way through my applications I was like I'm getting into KPMG I'm getting into KPMG and um, I got into EY. Um, I remember getting rejected from BDO. I remember Deloitte completely screwed up my entire application process and they rejected me from the graduate scheme, <laughs> which I then realized after the last interview, I was like, yeah, that was really difficult. And then the next day I received an email and I was like, ah, yeah. That's <laughs> but then, um, but by that point, I already found out that I got into KPMG and it was uh, it was honestly one of those days that was like there are truly no limits to what you can achieve if you put your mind to something and that's where the no limits kind of my I say no limits a lot no limits 
um, are my values. Um, this ring has no limits ingrained on it because it just made me realize if you put your mind to something and you really, really stick at it and you don't let anyone else, any of the noise disrupt you and you just stay laser focused, you will achieve it. Like people used to tell me like, oh, what if you don't get in? What's plan B? Like, don't you have a plan B? I was like, plan B's for losers. I'm getting in. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that might not be the right view to take all the time, but yeah, it worked for me then. And um, yeah, I got in. So I spent three years there, three and a half years working in the audit function, external audit function. I was working with clients like BAE Systems, uh, Honda, Bank of England. Um, Is this confidential? Are you allowed to say that? Or? Yeah. You guys should definitely include that in the podcast. Honestly, that was so funny. Are you allowed to say that? Okay, like, oh, we'll keep real, it in. <laughs> I won't tell you what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously I didn't really see much because uh, you know, I was more ticking numbers yeah. Um, yeah. Both, most of my day, as you guys probably can appreciate and yeah. understand. <laughs> but yeah, so I worked in the external audit function. I was on the school leaver scheme, so I left obviously school at 18 to go straight into the corporate world. I was studying towards my ACA. I was studying towards my degree and I was working full time. So when in the, basically the summer holidays, we used to go to uni for six weeks and then we would come back, go straight right, back to okay. work, yeah. do our, our uni exams in October and then do our ACA exams in the December, November, December. Wow. Um, so that was basically it for three and a half years and pretty much the the two weeks, three weeks before I left, I was about to go to uni for my full year because I was on the Durham scheme. So there was three different schemes. There was Durham, Birmingham and Exeter. They've scrapped all of them now, but they scrapped two of them when I first joined and then, sorry, to one of them. And it was just Durham and Birmingham. But Durham worked that you work for three years, you do your ACA, you go to Durham in summer and then in the fourth year, you stay there the full year and then you come back for the fifth year to mm -hmm. qualify. So I was like pretty much nearly done my professional certificate stages um, of the ACA and pretty much nearly done my degree uh, when I left. And um, So you never completed that? No, I never yeah. completed. I don't have any uh, pieces of paper, yeah. unfortunately. Well, <laughs> I'm going to get a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, the reason why is because I had to really ask myself, well, there's... For the first year, I really wanted to enjoy it. <laughs> because I'd worked so hard to get into this place that I just really wanted to love it. But I, I think now looking back, I was forcing myself to love it. Mm. I didn't actually love it. I think I wanted to like it too much, which just masked me not liking it. But then in my second year, the cracks really started to show. And I think it was partly because of the team that I was in as well. Um, didn't particularly have the best manager, in my opinion, and felt very trapped in that team which then led to me wanting to leave the department because it was like one of those things that I felt if I left the team, then I was very kind of integrated into the department and then it would be like, that's going to impact me too much. So I just need to kind of get away. Yeah. So I moved into the banking department. <laughs> Everyone was like, why would you do that? <laughs> I was like, well, I actually enjoyed, I wanted to, I actually enjoyed financial markets at that time. I really, I still do, but I, I really enjoyed uh, the market side of things and I really wanted to get more exposure to that side. Um, you don't really get much exposure to that side. In audit, the, unless you're working on a specific, unless you can really bargain what mm -hmm. you're going to be working on, other than that, other, otherwise you're not really going to be doing too much of that side. 
So then when I was going into my third year, that's when the real crack started to show. And um, it was pretty much eight months before I left, I started going through these really weird stomach problems. Um, I don't know what was happening to my body, but it was terrible. I mean, pretty much like 30 times a day I was on the toilet. I mean, it was just ridiculous to the point where I couldn't even go to work anymore. So I pretty much got to work one day and then it was so bad, I called HR and this was like six months into this. So imagine I've already had like three, four blood tests. No one knows yeah, what's yeah. going on. Been to the GP like five, yeah. six times. It's just, you know, it's never ending. And then, um, yeah, I remember kind of calling HR, getting into work, calling HR. And then they told me that because I don't have medical insurance with them, they can't help me. Um, because all I was asking was that you know I really I physically can't do this anymore like I, I mentally yeah. physically can't I can't live this way anymore I can't work like this anymore and I need help now but the system isn't giving me any help I can't get any appointment like any anyone to help me in the NHS so I'm like can you help me yeah. you know and they basically said no so I just left and went home and called my performance manager and just said look I can't work in the office anymore I need to permanently work from home and she, to be fair she is someone I still to this day like respect because I think the way she handled the situation was a lot better than anyone else who was handled, who was trying to handle it um, so yeah so she was really helpful because she just allowed me that space she didn't try and like force me push me she just kind of gave me that space and was like okay cool you're working with me um, so that was all good um, until it got to kind of the point where I was like what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. And bearing in mind, these stomach problems aren't going away. So these are just getting worse and worse mm. and worse and worse until I ended up in A&E um, because pretty much I just could not deal with it anymore. I just needed someone to literally help me there and then. Like I just could not mentally or physically deal with it. And then when I was in A&E, I just literally put my hands in between my head. Um, sorry, my head in between my hands. And I was just thinking, like, I put my hands on my face and I was like thinking. And I asked myself, what would I do if I walked in and I got bad news like what would be my first decision that mm. I'd make like a coaching question basically I was like I'd leave it just put everything into perspective and it made me realise that what I was doing really wasn't important to me because what was more important at that point was my health and what I was going through and I just kind of kept putting that aside to just what sacrifice me and who I am for a company so I just literally went home said mum I failed my exam um, and my exam was a retake so luckily I, if I I knew if I had failed it I would would have got fired um, because I failed it the first time because I was launching a startup so right. I kind of just didn't I lost it by one mark but then yeah the second time I failed it I walked on out on purpose the second time yeah failed, failed on purpose <laughs> I walked out and the lady was like you done that really quick <laughs> I was like yep <laughs> See ya. <laughs> um, yeah, and I remember I actually had to call KPMG up. I was like, by the way, failed my exam. <laughs> when you're firing me. Um, but yeah, so they basically gave me a four-week notice period. Didn't hear from anyone. Just pretty much was doing delivery in, uh, from 5 p.m. every day. And um, I was like uh, traveling into London to do the delivery. And then, um, yeah, that was my four-week notice period and pretty much just left. And the day I left, well, the morning I woke up and I left and wow. all my stomach problems disappeared. 
I've never had them since. Really? Wow. Yeah, gone. And on Sunday, sorry, we left on the Friday, 13th of October, funny enough. Um, <laughs> and then on a Saturday, I woke up, everything disappeared. And on Sunday, I was doing the Amsterdam Marathon. Wow. Yeah. So looking back, do you, what do you attribute it to? Is it kind of stress, anxious tension? Tension. Yeah, like, it must yeah. be loads of things. Yeah. But wow. let me tell you, your mind has a massive impact on your body. Wow. On your body. Yeah. If you don't think your mind and body are connected, you're, to see something yeah. that quickly, it disappeared. Right, like no, no. I woke up and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Where is this? That like, is where has it gone? Because for eight months it was there, mm. like twenty-five wow. to thirty times a day, and suddenly I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm like quote-unquote normal you know yeah wow so yeah that, it, that's insane yeah. It, it was very very strange but it, it it made me realize how much stress and how much like tension like you said mm. I think you described it in a really good way um tension was in me in my body did you did you know that you were stressed at work i kept saying that i wasn't stressed but i guess Looking i was just back. more stressed at the situation i just hated what i was doing so much I just hated it. And you know what? I remember actually some guy, um, I moved, I did this a comment uh, to the data and analytics department. And um, there was one meeting that I had with a guy. And at the end of the meeting, he was like, this meeting was like all about kind of me expressing some ideas and talking about things and being a bit more creative. He's like, oh, you, your face is lit up. Like you, you've lit up. And I was like, yeah, I just love this stuff great <laughs> now get all your fucking work <laughs> <laughs> you, you know obviously he didn't say that but it's just kind of like the, if you're a manager and you're you should take note of these things mm. you should be realising mm. when a person yeah. is stimulated yeah. how their tone changes when they're talking about a specific topic like this is all coaching stuff you know I think I think every single manager should go on a coaching course yeah. every single manager um, companies should be investing in that but yeah it's like and I, that was honestly, like, in those eight months, I, I remember that day and I remember what room I was in. I, yeah. remember, I just Again, remember everything about it. And it's because that was the first time in so long that I was like, oh, I actually feel yeah. energy. Yeah. And then I had to go back to, you know, removing full stops from documents and yeah. having emails from, from managers. Like, or even a manager putting a comment inside a Word document to remove a full stop. <laughs> like, you're writing <laughs> a sentence to, you know, yeah. it's just... Yeah, all of these things are so silly and it's all about yeah. hierarchy and power yeah. and politics and it's the game and I got I got sick and tired yeah. of the game yeah. after three years some people it takes 20 years some people 30 years I don't care I just left in three so yeah. for me wow. I'd rather I'd rather to take that risk and to dive head first and to to just do you do me yeah, yeah. be myself and unleash my full potential and you know it's tough and it's not easy but i'd much rather be i'd much rather die knowing that i did that than just getting on with it because it makes other people happy or because it's it's just an easier thing to do or to deal with emotionally yeah well said great so now we're going to move on to the last section of the show we're going to do some questions we've got some questions for you from um public just from reddit forum and i've got one from linkedin as well um and then you will have the opportunity to ask the next guest a question and we will give you the question from our last guest so nice um joshua kicking off 
Yeah, so we'll just go for one Reddit question. And the question is, is it okay to just want a normal and mediocre life? And that is from user Superwoman T Squared. It's not for me to say. Depends on what your normal and mediocre means. Like, you need to ask yourself, what's the definition <coughs> of normal for you? And what's the definition of mediocre? And if that meets your requirements of what you want out of life, then yeah, I don't see there's anything wrong with that. Everyone has their own definition of normal, so you have to find your fit. And yeah, that's where I stand with that. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, great. So the question I've got is less a question and more of putting something to you that I saw today. Okay. So Louis Sutton, who was a guest um, a few episodes ago, commented mm-hmm. on something and that's how it came into my feed and I was like yes I'm commenting on that too and, and I'm bringing it along so this is a quote from a guy called Kevin O'Leary which was shared from somebody called Dan Paynut who I don't know too much about him but just taking a look at his profile is um, a billionaire kind of really successful financial person mm. um, so I'm just going to read you the quote and, and kind of see what your see what your reaction is so this quote says Working 24 hours a day isn't enough anymore. You have to be willing to sacrifice everything to be successful, including your personal life, your family life, maybe more. If people think it's any less, they're wrong and they will fail. Again, it just comes back to your definition of success. It comes back to your definition of failure. It comes back to your definition of what you want out of life. Like, if... if, it's, if from what that quote sounds like, it sounds like his definition of success is working more than 24 hours yeah. a day. Or working 24 hours a day and sacrificing all of the other areas of his life. But that's not my definition. So, for me, that, I don't personally agree with it. I wouldn't personally um, follow it. But it's an, it's another perspective. It's another interesting um, thing, but to say that other people are wrong, um, yeah, that's just, I mean, I, no, I, no one's in a place to say that. No, um, I kept it in because I wanted to try and get a bit of balance. You know, I, I get the feeling that we're all three of us on the kind of side of you know disagreeing with what what that said. Yeah. Um, but I feel that this is a, a widely held opinion, very much that you know you need to be. Uh, you know, hustling and grinding and sacrificing everything that is possible. And to, to achieve whatever you want, whatever your success looks like. And I suppose mm. what it's about, maybe, to kind of summarise it down to, to kind of take away that kind of definition element is, are you willing to sacrifice everything to get what you want? I kind of, that's how I'm taking it as a, as a secondary interpretation in terms of regardless of what your success looks like, to get there, mm. are you willing to sacrifice everything? depends what that is you know i think we we get sometimes we can get too zoomed in to one area of our life and then we forget about the other ones so i think it's a very important the role on our lives i see as the same role as a ceo has of a company they have to constantly zoom in and zoom out of the Mm. company they have to make they have to see the company from a high level and make high level decisions and they have to really zoom in to like you know really see what's going on Get on the, the ground detail. floor you know yeah. really the detail mm. about what's going on i think we have to do that in our lives as well i think when you don't do that enough then you end up just being like zoom so zoomed into this one area 
that one day you're gonna wake up and be like, oh wait, there's all these other things yeah. that I haven't been focusing on or haven't even realized are there. Yeah, great. That's a really good perspective to have. I think like kind of comparing it to to a company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really good. So, Louis, if you're listening, I hope, hope you enjoyed that little bit because I've seen his content. That came well. from you. Yeah, yeah, I really like his. Yeah. I really like his content. Oh, cool. I'm a fan. He, not that he knows me, but yeah, I'm yeah. A fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> He's, he's big in the fintech space, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. He was that. on the two percent podcast though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, cool. he's um he's really good. Yeah, he's a good guy. So. Right, so final question for you uh is from Rosie, our previous guest. Um mm. and she left the question How would you like to contribute to the world and leave your mark on society? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's like Rosie just jumped into my brain <laughs> um my mark <clears throat> i want to impact people positively that's it that's your mission that's that's my that's my legacy at the moment anyway mm-hmm. my legacy has changed since i left kpmg it used to be four bullet points now it's just one um, i can't remember exactly what the four bullet points were but they all amalgamated into that mm. one which was to <clears throat> impact people positively and yeah that's what mark I want to leave perfect and is that because positive um, positively looks different to different people and so that's not something that you define is that kind of where that's come from yeah how, how did you distill those four bullet points to that so there's nothing so, so someone asked me um, someone asked me a really difficult question the other week it was from someone from LinkedIn I literally just like asked yeah, me I'm yeah. just going to catch up and he was like what do you like what do you dislike most about your day and I really like well it was good because I was like oh my goodness I don't actually know mm. I really love what I do so that was a good point but I couldn't really answer him so then I said to him I said what what I dislike is that I only have 24 hours <laughs> and I can't do this stuff more mm. and honestly that's how I feel there's nothing that makes me happier when I can see and hear people do better and move forward and progress because trust me I know what it feels like to be at the bottom and not and my bottom not your bottom mm. but, you know everyone has their own kind of when they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel but I've been there and it's lonely and it's tough even though if you don't you know you're not lonely you don't know that in there you know in your mm. own head sometimes you can really feel lonely even when you're not so yeah I've been there and I never I never want to see or hear of anyone else being there so all of the work I'm doing is is all about getting people to take maybe that first step you know if I just inspire that person to take that first step towards recovery just like I said it took me those steps to WH Smith to go and eat that chocolate bar what if yeah. I didn't eat that what if I didn't turn around to my mum and say one nil let's go and do this mm. that step gave me confidence so for me it's all about just inspiring action um, which is positive no, I love yeah. that people I'm positive. Positive to that I'd love to, yeah, I'm similar sort of thing. I haven't got a real defined vision, but I think the core of what I really enjoy doing when I'm sort of loving my work is impacting people positively. Like, there's nothing yeah. much better than that, really. Yeah, and I think a lot of people become very fixed. I used to be like this, and I still do sometimes, and I catch myself out, but they become very fixed over these these missions and visions. Mm. It's like, yeah, but it can change, you know? Yeah, you're, you're, you're always changing, so I think it's really important to to yeah constantly thrive to learn more about yourself so that you can for me it's all about getting into like one line that's when i truly know that i know something 
It's like when I can really just describe it in one sentence, that's when I know I've got to kind of where I want to be. It's all a mess and it's like bullet, 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 bullet points. Then I know I need to like really get down Refine to the core. It, yeah. Keep asking myself why, what, you know, all of these questions that you guys, you know, you know it from. Yeah. You ask yourselves. Cool. Okay. And then the very final thing to leave a question for mm. our next guest. So is there anything on your mind or anything you might want the answer to from our next guest? Yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to say a generic question. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love this question as a coach. <clears throat> I think it just really gets people to like shift their perspective and it usually, um, I think gets into an answer, which is something that they don't want to hear, but it's something that okay. they know that they need to hear, which is if your friend was in the same position as you right now, what advice would you give them? Wow, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So forcing them to take that outside perspective. Yeah, step outside of your shoes. And here, you always hear the saying that the advice, you know, we never yeah, follow our own yeah. advice, right? Yeah. And I'm the same. Sometimes I'm the same. Like, you know, do this and break it down and take a step back. And sometimes I don't do that. Sometimes I, I get emotionally driven and there's all of these other things. But what I've always found powerful is when you can kind of just take yourself out of that situation and it's funny the advice that you give to your friends and give to other people usually is, is some decent advice yeah yeah so listen to it <laughs> yeah but for yourself <laughs> so yeah that would See. be my uh, my question yeah well great way to end uh well thank you very much for for listening and uh thanks for coming on thank and you so much yeah it's been really really good chat really enjoyed it and, uh, and also before you go uh, uh-huh. we should be appearing myself and Ryan will be appearing on yes, Jack's of podcast yeah. soon yeah. Uh, the Random Mental podcast also <coughs> available on Spotify Apple Podcasts etc mm-hmm. um, so look out for that soon and, and go listen to some of the other episodes mm-hmm. Jack's yeah, we'll great thank you so All much right. speak to you soon. Bye. bye well that's it for another episode of the 2% podcast thanks so much for tuning in We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. If you or someone you know has a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you, so please get in touch. Also, we're developing too, so if you liked the episode, give us some love on social to support the series, and if you didn't, let us know how to improve. Stay motivated, follow your dreams, and as always, do it with a smile.